It, you know, it's, um, what, it's what, what we have the privilege of becoming like is what we're trying to learn here in the book of Acts. Uh, for those dear people that uh, you know, are sending the messages, that, he said he's excited to hear what the message is going to sound like in Mandarin is one of his sentences he said. It's exciting to see what God will do um, and how God will move in, in the life. There's none of us that um, can take the glory for this. It's just a matter of what God would do if we would just be faithful and, and to see the, that the word of God is going out. So those dear people in Florida whom I uh, really don't know that well, I don't, you know, um, we say if you're listening to this now, we say we love you. We love you just as much as we love one another here at this church. And we are honored that you, um, you count us a church that you would like to send um, our messages um, throughout the world. And that's the privilege you and I have, like in the book of Acts. We're to be the witnesses of our Lord in, in uh, Jerusalem, which is this Yorba Linda area, in Judea and Samaria, which is the outer parts of Yorba Linda, going into Placentia, whatever cities, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. And whom among us would have thought that uh, we're, we're reaching into other places so far from us here, so far, and what God might do through our church is overwhelming. I don't know about you, but I am certainly willing to try to be the, all the church that God wants us to be so that, we can, so that we can, by the grace of God, be a blessing to others. Um, let's give the Lord thanks for, for this privilege that we've, we've already just heard about. And uh, then we'll get into the book of Acts. We'll go into the ninth chapter. And what a wonderful place in Scripture we are tonight. You'll see. Dear Father... I want to thank you for this dear family. Um, forgive me, Lord. I, I might have met them before. I, I, I can't picture a face with their names. Um, I just pray you'll bless them. Bless them as they reach out into their community. Bless those dear people in, in uh, Florida and, and in the other areas that uh, our message has gone to. I, I, I've heard of friends of mine that are sharing it in, in the state of Texas and, and uh, in other places, Father. Um, Wherever it goes, dear Father, would you, would you bless it? Would you take, Father, the words of your word, uh, not mine, but your words, and would you minister to the dear people who are hearing from you? And, Father, would you bless their very souls? And, and Father, may this ministry go as far as you would want it to go. We, uh, we just want to be your servants. We want to be stewards, Father, that are considered faithful and, uh, and trustworthy to do what you have asked us to do. And so for this particular church, the Rock Community Church, uh, we give you thanks, Father, that we're a part of that and that each of us have a, a hand in doing what you're doing. Like we've been learning, Father, through um, the apostles and through the, the seven that were chosen in the church in Jerusalem, there are some that did a lot, uh, like Saul, who turned uh, into one of the great, great evangelists, and, and uh, Philip. And there's others who have a short ministry, like Stephen. And there's others like Ananias, Father, who just through his obedience laid his hands upon Saul. And, and Saul's ministry flourished. Father, we don't care to what degree we are used. We just pray that we are used by you and for you, for your glory. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I also received another email uh, about the, the rocks of uh, remembrance that we're uh, taking home and uh, signing, I hope, you know, put your name on it in a Bible verse and, 
and bringing them back so that we can, uh, whatever we're going to do with them, we'll build something to remember our Lord and what's been happening these, these three years here at this church. And one of the emails I received was uh, a person was out of town last week, and then they had heard from their friends that the, the, the excitement of having a rock. And they said, oh, wish we could, wouldn't have missed it. I would love to have had a rock. And I wrote him back an email and said, you can. There's plenty of rocks still outside. They're, they're still in a crate out there. And if you've not taken a rock and you want to, uh, there's plenty out there. Uh, take it. And uh, what we want you to do with it is pray about what God has done and bless you in your life. Um, write down your names on it if you don't mind. And write down one of your favorite Bible verses and bring it back. And we're going we're gonna to display it somehow, some way in this church. Not sure yet. Not sure what God's going to do. But I'm excited about it. So if you want, the rocks are right on the front door. Now, let's get into the Bible. Let's talk about what our Lord wants to do and through our lives. And this is just a magnificent place in the Word of God. Uh, we're in Acts chapter 9. <clears throat> We've had the privilege of... Uh, as those dear people said in Florida, we've had the privilege of going through the Bible word upon word, line upon line. If you've been with us uh, to kind of shake your memory, we've seen the people that Luke presents from chapter 2 on. And we've, we've been able to compare them, so to speak. We saw Peter and John, the apostles, and the rest of the apostles. They moved, and then we saw Barnabas and, and how he wanted to give unto the church. And then we compared Barnabas with Ananias and Sapphira, two people who wanted credit for themselves. And so we were able to compare Barnabas with them. We went on and we saw, as we saw the seven chosen within the church, we saw Stephen and Philip and the rest of the seven, but we saw particularly Stephen, and who he took off like a rocket ship and, and, and preached this wonderful, wonderful message and then was uh, confronted by some of the uh, uh, Greek-speaking Jews who were trying to argue with him, and they couldn't out-argue him, and, and they became frustrated, and they brought in false witnesses against him, and they end up stoning Stephen to death. And, and compared with Stephen, we saw Philip. And Philip... His ministry went on and on and on and on. He went off into Samaria, did great things, and he then reached this Ethiopian eunuch. And we, we were able to compare in that chapter the Ethiopian eunuch who, who was so sincerely ready to come to Christ to Simon, the magician, who wanted to buy his way and to, wanted to have the glamour of Christianity but didn't want to come through faith and and we were able to compare them. And then we've seen last week the comparison of Saul and God's faithful servant Ananias. What we observed from chapter 2 now to chapter 9 is a steady and very clear picture. And it is this. God is not so concerned over the length of your and my ministry... He is not so concerned over the results of our ministry. I say that because the length and the result of our ministry is his business, not ours. He is the one who blesses us. He is the one who will use us to the degree that he desires to use us. And it is false pride on our, on our part to think, oh, shucks, I'm not so good. I only do just this much. Or the pride to think, whoa, look what I've done. Both are wrong. 
all God desires from us is not so much concerned over what we do or for how long we do it. What he's interested in is our hearts to do what we do while we're doing it. So as that he might get the glory. He might get the honor. I was in the back and just uh, praising the Lord back there in the music. The young gentleman back there with his dear wife said, man... This is a great group for Saturday night. They really stirred my heart, the music. And it made me think of one day when I walked out through that door in between the first and the second service on a Sunday morning. Seated on the floor with his Bible open was, and I won't mention who, it was one of the, one of the ringleaders of this music group. And I said, what you doing? He says, just praising the Lord, just reading and worshiping the Lord. And I thought, you know, that's what we want our musicians to do. That's what we want all of us to do. So I was uh, moved by that moment when I walked in that little hallway there. And I was challenged because that's the kind of man I want to be. You see, whether you're a business person or an evangelist or a missionary, the Bible doesn't care. You know what it says in Colossians? In fact, I gave a message once uh, when I was, this was a long, long, long time ago with the baseball players at, at, at one of the stadiums where I, where I had ministry going on with the, the Dodgers and the Angels. And it was at one of the stadiums, and I gave a message on Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. It says, whatever you do, do your work heartily unto the Lord, knowing it's the Lord Jesus Christ whom you serve. The, the premise of that is, whatever you do, you see, the Lord's not so concerned about what you do, but whatever you do, do it heartily, as unto the Lord. I gave that message the, the following week, I came back, and one of, the, one of the guys had somebody make a poster for him, stuck it in his locker, and put Colossians 3, 23, and 24 up on his locker, and wrote it out, whatever you do, do it heartily unto the Lord. Because this person that put this up in his locker was feeling guilty. He was getting paid, as you most of us know, baseball players, <laughs> they make so much money, it's just out of, I mean, it's ridiculous. And he was feeling guilty. Here he is, a Christian, loving what he does, getting paid mega bucks for it, and he felt like he wasn't really serving the Lord. And after the message, he felt he was right where God wanted him to be. Playing baseball. Because he could do that heartily unto the Lord. Same is true with you. So don't fall into the trap that you need to be in quote-unquote ministry. We are all in ministry. Whether you want to be or not, you are. The issue is, are you willing to be used in whatever it is that you do so that you do it heartily as unto the Lord, knowing it's the Lord Jesus Christ whom you are serving, whether you are a missionary who is maybe hearing this message in some far-off land, or you are just a business person who is here locally. You're both doing what God has called you to do. Do it heartily as unto the Lord. 
What God is concerned about is we saw in the parable when we went through all of this study in Matthew chapter 13, in verses 8 and verse 23, he says there was seed, seed that fell on the ground. Three of the seeds got, uh, didn't, didn't take uh, uh, root. One, one seed did because it fell on what the Bible says was good soil. That's Matthew 13, 8. He yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some thirty, sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. And then the Lord, in verse 23, explains this parable. He says, the one on whom the seed was sown on good soil, that's the person, he says, who hears what? It's what these people in South Florida are longing for. For their pastor to finally get with it and start teaching the word of God. This is what will change lives. Who hears the word and understands it. That person with the good soil will bear fruit, will bring forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Our lives in Christ, ladies and gentlemen, is to produce something good. But what you do, whether it's playing music, whether it's Max, you and your wife Marilyn, greeting at the door. Whether it's those that work behind those beautiful, um, 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 what, uh, counters. Whether it's them back there. And the one that helped me, Eva, whether it's parking cars. Or having the most wonderful, wonderful, wonderful attitude of doing it. And, 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 and carrying your husband David all these years. It's just amazing. Uh, <laughs> I know. I know. I'm sorry. I can't help myself. Whatever you do, you can serve the Lord. And so your walk with Christ, our walk with Christ, your being a, 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 a believer that is hitting on all cylinders has nothing to do with what you do. It has nothing to do with the results. It has everything to do with our hearts. Willing to serve the Lord in the place that he has us. The young people that are going to school, going to college. You're as much in ministry as the finest preacher in the United States of America or of this world. We all have our ministries. And so we saw last week in the person of Ananias who was told by the Lord, I want you to go to a street called Straight, remember? And I want you to see a guy named Saul from Tarsus. He's in a house of a man called Judas. And behold, he's praying. I want you to go lay hands on him and pray for him so that he might regain his sight because while he was praying, in a vision, he saw a man named Ananias come and lay hands on him. And Ananias seemed, this is very illogical to him. Didn't make sense to him. Remember what he said? Lord, we've heard about this guy. He has permission from Jerusalem, from the chief priest, to come here to Damascus. And everyone he lays his hands on, he can throw us into prison and kill some of us. Are you sure? <laughs> Are you sure, Lord? 
And the Lord says, yeah, go, because he is a what? Oh, please remember some of you. He is a chosen instrument of mine. He's going to do great things. And I'm going to show him how much he's going to suffer, too. That makes you feel any better, Ananias? And suffer Paul did. In Isaiah chapter 55, the illogical, the illogical ideas that the Lord throws your and my way sometimes just don't make sense. Why are you going through what you're going through? Why are you struggling as you're struggling? Why is it that you are having what appears to be no success? And the Lord says, my thoughts are not your thoughts in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. Nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. He says in verse 9, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and so are my thoughts more than your thoughts. And so the illogical of what we are going through it doesn't matter. Because God's in control. In Acts chapter 9, I kind of went too far, didn't I? Let me, let me, uh, I, that was a long introduction. Please look with me at, uh, um, hold on for a moment. Let me see the, the, the verses, 19 through 31. Uh, it says, Saul, uh, after he had uh, uh, been, been, been fasting, verse 19, he took food and he was strengthened. Now for several days he was with the disciples who were at Damascus. And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. Verse 21 says, And all those hearing him continued to be amazed. And they were saying, Is this not he who in Jerusalem destroyed those who called on this name? And who had come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests? Verse 22, but Saul kept increasing in strength and he confounded the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that this Jesus is the Christ. In other words, the Messiah. Verse 23 says, and when many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted to get together to do away with Saul. But their plot became known to Saul and they were also watching the gates day and night so that they might put him to death. But his disciples took him by night let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a large basket. Verse 26. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples. They were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. Verse 27. But Barnabas took hold of him, brought him to the apostles, and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had talked to him, and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. Verse 28 says, And he was with them, moving about freely in Jerusalem, speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. And he was talking and arguing with the Hellenistic Jews, but they were attempting to put him to death. But when the brethren learned of it, they brought him, Saul, down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus. Verse 31 says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace, being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It, the church, continued to increase. Oh, praise God. Father God.
May we see that. May we see the church increase. And Father, may it move into the, into the, the, the countries, the, the places that we never could have gone without technology. And Father, you, you use the technology to take the word out to places far beyond anything we had ever dreamed of, perhaps. But more importantly, that those faraway places, may we think about the, the place that's most nearest to us, and that's our own hearts. May we, Father God, sense the call that you've placed upon our lives to be people who have hearts that are of good soil, who hear the word of God, who understand it and produce, therefore, fruit hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold, may I add, Father, ten, five, onefold. We'll leave the results to you, dear Father. Just help us to cultivate our hearts to be very good soil. And so, Father, we ask that you would hide the one that gives a message behind the wonders of your most gracious and, and awesome word. May we not take for granted that uh, you've given us, Father, you have given us the desire as a church to preach your word, to not do uh, fancy uh, programs and fancy uh, things, but just do what we've been called to do, to be a group of people, as it says in Acts chapter 2, people who are continually devoted to the teaching of the apostles, to the fellowship that we have with one another, to the communion that we enjoyed last weekend, and to prayer. God bless those that hear. Now hide the one that gives this message. Let us see you clearly. I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Here's what happens. As you can plainly read, all of a sudden, everything is topsy-turvy in Saul's life. Those who were once his so-called friends are now his enemies in verses 23 and 24. They are now plotting to put him to death just as he was plotting to put the believers to death. The shoe is now on the other foot. Saul now is no longer the hunter. He's become the hunted. But now, in this topsy-turvy world that he now is in, all of a sudden, his so-called enemies, the believers, are now his friends. They're going to help to keep him alive. In verse 25, it says, The disciples, they took him by night. They let him down through an opening in the wall. They lowered him in a large basket. They help him escape. I'm going to say a little bit more about that in a few moments. What I want us to see, just as a joke, is the staple of Christian fellowship. Verse 19. This is, this is silly. But look at it. It's fun. Verse 19. He took food and he was strengthened. You see, the staple of Christian is potluck dinners and eating. Is it not? Can anybody say amen? Cookies and, uh, and the stuff to eat. No, let's gather together. And when any Christians gather together, we have food. Amen, Ken? <laughs> we have food. I love that he had strengthened through eating something. But when, Paul, when Saul got saved, in verses 20, 21, and 22, 
Note what he immediately did. Folks, look it. This, is, uh, this ought to be who we are. Fred, I love you for who you are. I love you that you do not compromise this part of your life. Young, someday we've got we to hear about these young men that you're trying to reach and how we as a church can help them. But what we do is once we come to Christ, there is no waiting period. Look, it says, verse 20, immediately, immediately, I mean immediately, Saul began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues. All of his background, all the things that the Lord had him learn as a very educated man, all of those things now were used for the glory of God. He was preaching in the synagogues, telling people that Jesus is the Son of God, the very one that he claimed to be. He is the Son of God, folks. He is the Messiah. We've missed him, but now Saul is saying, I can almost hear him. Now I I understand. He is now my Savior. He is now my Lord, my Messiah. Verse 21 says, everyone that heard him, they were continued to be amazed. They were saying, is this not the one who in Jerusalem destroyed those who called upon this name of Jesus? Who had come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests? But it says in verse 22, Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus. And here's what he did. He was proving that this Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. You see, when you and I get saved, we're not to tell people about our, our religion. We're not to tell people about our denomination. That's ridiculous. It was never meant to be that. When we get saved, the very essence of what we are to proclaim is none other than Jesus Christ. And He, and He alone, period. Because He is the one who brings and gives eternal life. Not the church, not the denomination, not how good you are. None of those things. Jesus. We need to preach Jesus. Proclaim Him. Paul says in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, Paul said. Because it is, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The Jew first and also to the Greek. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16, he says, If I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast about. Amen? I mean, it's, you know, I learned a long time ago, sitting under the wonderful teaching of Dr. Jack MacArthur, who used to say every Sunday that we gathered for church, Hide me behind the wonders of your word. You wonder where I got that? I haven't got an original thought in my body. I sat and I listened to that and I thought, Oh, that's right. I started to learn. I started to understand that it's all about Jesus. It's not about any of us. And so Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.16, If I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast about. He says, because I'm under compulsion. Woe is me, he says, if I don't preach the gospel. 1 Corinthians 9.16 is kind of like a... It's kind of like a... I love it. I love the verse. It's kind of like... not. You know, I don't want to say my... What, what is they, they say? I, I don't use it very often. It's, it's life verse? I don't believe in that. I, this is my life verse. It's all of it. Everything, when I come to another place next week, is going to be the most favorite verse I ever saw. You know, It's funny how the Lord does that. But I do love 1 Corinthians 9.16. If I preach the gospel, what do I have to boast about? It's not me that do it, does it? It's the Lord. 
But Paul says, woe to me, woe to me if I don't preach it. I understand that. I, I totally understand that. I, I, I bought into that hook, line, and sinker. In verse 21, we are told that the people who saw Saul, they were amazed. They were amazed at his preaching Jesus Christ so so distinctly to everyone. But, but it also says in verse 26, they were afraid of him. Of course they were. Of course they were. It's been less than a week, less than a week, folks, when Saul went from, verse 1, putting people to death, giving hearty approval for the death of Stephen, to where he moves in alongside the people that he was putting to death, in verse 20, proclaiming Jesus Christ in the synagogue, saying, He's the Son of God. And so as verse 22 tells us, he was confounding the people. What he was doing was the exact same thing that Stephen did. When Saul gave Stephen his hearty approval that put him to death, stone him. Stone Stephen, I'm all for it, go for it. Stone him. And Saul's life took a drastic change, a very dramatic change. I, I strongly believe that that ought to be the rule in your life and in my life once we come to Christ. Our lives, our habits, our thoughts, our every being of who we are ought to change. If you feel that's happening slowly for you, don't give up because we don't all grow at the same pace. But I ask you to consider reading the Bible more often. Because this and only this will change you. This and only this will conform you into the image of Jesus Christ. And this and only this will help you become the person of God that God's called you to be and help you be conformed into the image of His Son. So no wonder the believers were amazed. No wonder they were afraid Saul's life made a drastic change. Now, between verses 23 and 26, some time has passed. It says in verse 23, Then or when many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with Saul. Now, to see how many days elapsed, we need to go to Galatians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. You see, we are taught within the Word of God that Paul, Saul, when they changed his name to Paul, went away into the desert of Arabia. And there he was taught personally by Jesus Christ. He says in Galatians 1.17, I did not go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. He says, I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Then, three years later, so in verse 23, when it says many days or many uh, yeah, days had elapsed, it's three years, maybe more. But he says, in three years later, I went up to Jerusalem, I became acquainted with Cephas, that's Peter, and I stayed with him, Cephas or Peter, for 15 days. So in actuality, three years elapsed in verses 23, between verse 23 and 26. And history tells us that Saul spent those years learning directly from the Lord in the desert, the wilderness of Arabia. In verses 23, 23 and 24, it tells us that the Jews 
were so upset with, with Saul's departure from their faith that now they are plotting to do away with him. When Saul had come to Jerusalem some three years later, we are told in verse 26, he was trying, trying to associate with the disciples. The verb was trying implies that this didn't happen overnight. They were afraid of him. They were confounded by him. They didn't want to have anything to do with him because they weren't sure he was truly one of the believers. And so they were thinking, maybe he's going to be like a mole. He'll come in amongst us and learn who amongst us is really doing most of the work and have us killed little by little. Maybe he's a spy. So they had nothing to do with him. But to the rescue comes, quote unquote, another Ananias. Ananias went and laid his hands on Saul. And into Saul's life comes another man, much like Ananias. This man is the man of encouragement. His name is Barnabas. It says in verse 27, Barnabas took hold of Saul. And now because Barnabas trusted in Saul, Saul was able to move about freely in Jerusalem. But Saul again stirred up a hornet's nest. You see, it wasn't Saul's fault. It's what will happen when you talk about Christ. People will become upset with you. It's, it's, it's the natural outpouring. People won't like you. It's the natural outpouring. I need to learn this, but because you, you preach Christ, there will be those that are, quote, so-called Christians who won't, have, won't want you around. You're, you're a little bit too hardcore there, John. Back off a little bit. Let's get a little seeker friendly here. Let's, let's move back a little bit. You're, you're pushing too hard. And there will always be opposition to every one of us that, that want to live for Christ. Now, the, the Hellenistic Jews are Greek-speaking Jews, and to, to find out who they are, we need to go no further than the book of Acts chapter 6. It's, it's the same group that, that Stephen ran into. Look at chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. It says, Some men who were from what was called the synagogue of the freemen, including Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and some from Cilicia and Asia, they rose up and they argued with who? With Stephen. And verse 10 says, they were unable to cope with Stephen. They were unable to cope with his wisdom. They were unable to cope with the spirit which was in him that he was speaking. About and, and, and now Saul is experiencing the same thing that Stephen experienced, persecution. These are the same rascals, ladies and gentlemen, who tried debating Stephen. And when they could not debate him, they decided, well, let's kill him. And now Saul is being persecuted by the same men who killed Stephen. How ironic is that? Because Saul was all for them killing Stephen. But it says the brethren took Saul down in verses 28 through 30. They took him to Caesarea and then they sent him to his hometown of Tarsus. Let me ask you a question. Here's the question. Think about it. Don't answer out loud. This might be a trick question. 
Who saved Saul? Was it the brethren that put him down in that basket who, 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 who helped him escape? Did they do it? Who did it? I'll tell you who did it. God did it. God was in control of the whole situation. He used the brethren, but they couldn't have done it. They would have done it for Stephen if it was that easy. God moved in Saul's life, and he used those other people to protect him. But it was the Lord who allowed Stephen's life to end abruptly. It was the Lord who allowed Saul's life to continue. And so he does with you and with me. I am here to say to you that you and I will not take one more breath than the Lord has Measured for us in this life in which we live. Not one more breath. It is the Lord who moves within your life and my life. So what happened due to Barnabas' ministry and helping and encouraging Saul? Verse 31, look, the church throughout Judea, now throughout Galilee, now throughout Samaria, now the church is not just in Jerusalem, folks, see? There's a church now in, in Samaria. There's a church now in Galilee. There's a church now in, in uh, uh, Judea. And they're all enjoying peace. They're being built up. They're going on in the fear of the Lord. Verse 31 says, in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it, the church, continues to increase. Again, we see how God will use others to accomplish what He has in other people's life. He used Ananias in the life of Saul, and now he's using Barnabas. What a blessing. What a blessing. Think it through. What a blessing. If by the grace of Almighty God, He uses you. Or you. Or you. Or you. Or me. To accomplish something far beyond anything we could ever hope or dream. Fred said earlier tonight when he was talking about during Christmas season, there might be some people that will come and visit us. We're going to pass out brochures next weekend. And um, I pray that you'll be a part of that. And when someone comes, he says, Give them a smile if you've not noticed that they've been here before. Or they seem that uh, new to you. Just say hi. And the reason being is you won't know. We won't know what that smile will do. We don't know who that person is that we are welcoming them into this place. We don't know who they are and who they might reach for the kingdom. Your smile, my smile. You're welcoming them, are welcoming them. God can do great things. God wants to use us to make an impact for Christ in this community in which we live. That I know. Now, how big of an impact? That's his business, not ours. For how long? That's his business, not ours. All he wants us to do is have good hearts, good soil. Reach the people he brings our way. Help them grow in their faith. You and I need to grow in our faith. I learned something a long time ago. You and I will not be able to take or bring anyone any further than where we are. We need to grow.
We need to be serious. <laughs> Father, we want to be a, a force for the, for the cause of Christ. What that means, Lord, nobody knows. I say it, but I don't know what that means. I desire for great things to happen, but I don't know what that means. Maybe it's just that the messages are going to China and Asia, Tibet and places that we never dreamt. Who knows? But I pray that all of us here will feel a part of that. That every single person in this room and this service and the two services we have tomorrow will all feel a part of what you're doing for the cause of the gospel. May we proclaim the word of God. May we explain it so it's understood. So that, Father, great and wonderful things can happen because of who you are, not because of who we are. And so, Father, bless us all. As we walk into this wonderful season of this year of Christmas, the celebration of the birth of your Son, may we take seriously our faith. Lord, thank you for this service tonight. Thank you for the music and thank you especially for your word that we may look at it and study it. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I love you all from the very depth of my soul. I thank you for allowing me to be a part of this church. Let's have a nice weekend, everybody. Thanks for being here.